spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom nonsense. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, me and Chris sat down to record another episode of Observing Our Thoughts, and this will be the third Observing Our Thoughts that we've done so far, and, if, and you guys really do seem to love these Observing Our Thoughts episodes, and as the last two episodes have actually been some of our most downloaded, and the response that we get from you about these episodes are really, really incredible. So thank you for that, and thank you for reaching out and letting us know how much you love them. And this is definitely a feature that and something that we're definitely going to keep doing in the future every time it feels right. So in this week's Observing Our Thoughts, me and Chris talk about our experience at the Mind Body Spirit Festival and talk about some of the really funny encounters that we had with certain people and certain experiences. We also talk about our experience with a light device called the Pandora, Pandora Star that we experienced. We also talked about our night out that me and Chris had that give us a lot of introspection. And we also talk about so much more as well. So anyway, I'm not sure if any of you have actually read the article about the uh, the guy who posted the ad on Craigslist. But basically what happened is a guy claimed that he was looking for a woman who wanted, he wanted to conceive a child with during the total eclipse, which happened a few months ago. And before I read it, uh, the reason I actually wanted to read it is because at this festival that me and Chris went to, we most definitely found a few people who could have wrote this at this festival that we went to. <laughs> but anyway, the man wrote, I am seeking a woman to travel to Oregon with, to conceive the baby during the eclipse. He describes himself as a 40-year-old Caucasian male from Europe and calls his heritage strong and pure. In the Craigslist ad poster calls his looks, instincts, knowledge and strength all 100% pure, whatever that means. And 100% lethal at the same time. And he also wrote that he was looking for a female counterpart, a worthy female who also enjoys enjoys genes as strong as his, along with being beautiful and smart. <laughs> and he says that he wants to have sex with her during the eclipse. And that's where the Craigslist ad really turns a lot weirder, as he describes some moment of cosmic togetherness with the person directed towards the sun during the eclipse, which should produce darkness. And when the totality occurs, we will have stimulus, orgasms, and we will conceive a child that will be on the next level of human evolution. And we will make love together. And me, my penis, directed towards the sun. Everything will be aligned in the local universe. Both our cosmic, orgasmic energy will be aligned with the planets. And in the brief moment of ecstasy, we will understand everything and together create a new ver- universe full of love. And then the Craigslist ad also went on to say that the person must like cats to copulate with him during the eclipse. And he said it's fine with him if the person does drugs, especially if they intake nitrous oxide while we climax climax and experience totality and contraception. <laughs> so anyway, the question I wanted to ask, I wonder if you ever actually found a female And also, I want to ask him if he actually, in the moment of totality, actually got to direct his penis towards the the sun. And also, I want to ask him if they actually did produce a new super type of species. (laughs) So anyway, just before we jump this one, I just wanted to say thanks so much to all the patrons who've decided to support the podcast. 
It really means a lot to us. And for anyone else who, who wants to support the podcast but doesn't know what Patreon is, basically Patreon is a platform that allows you to choose a certain amount each month that is possible for you to support the podcast. Whether it's $2, $5, $10, whatever, whatever you decide. And also in return, as well as supporting the podcast, you will also gain access to extra bonus com- conversations and other cool things. And no matter what tier that you do sign up for, you will gain access to all the bonus content that is available to, P- to the Patreon members. And Patreon really is, is incredible because it allows you to basically crowdfund all these incredible conversations that we're having and help us grow in the process. And as you know, we never do stupid adverts on this podcast or sell you stupid crap. So please just consider me joining the Patreon by going to www.patreon.com. And if you cannot support the podcast, that is also absolutely fine. We understand and we just appreciate the fact that you even listen to this thing. So anyway, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Observing Our Thoughts. So another episode of observing our thoughts, and as I like to call it, therapy session. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've got other words as well that I call it, but definitely therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, we've just come back from the Mind Body Spirit Festival. We did three epic podcasts today with three epic guests, and we'll have some funny things I want to say about it. I want to some funny things that I want to share with the listeners and stuff like that. But what did what did you what was some things that you took away from the festival? What did you enjoy about it? Well, to be honest, brother, I enjoyed your company. I must admit that. I love that. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing experience, man. And um, just going down there and really interacting with minds that are actually just wanting to consciously share something in the world. And that was a beautiful moment for me as well. I can really just see people enjoying life in that whole essence, that vibe. That was a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, what I found is that a lot of people were very open-minded. So that when we were, me and you were walking around at the festival, we could actually go up to anyone and sort of approach them and no matter what was on our mind at the time we could actually just bring a bring a concept or a topic that's been on our mind towards them and they would either have something to see on it and they wouldn't judge you because i think a lot in society what me and you found is that in your normal day-to-day life it's very hard to interact with people on these deeper in these deeper topics but there was a lot of open-minded people at this festival where you could just walk up to them and you could divulge your thoughts and you could say i mean we mean you did one thing with the festival which was quite funny as well we mean you did a bet where I give you a word to say to someone that slip into a conversation. You also give me a word, and the word that I give you was flat earth, and the word that you give me was kangaroo. So me and you were to go around in a conversation and slip them words in. But what was funny is funny about that is is that some of the type of people that were there, I think no matter what word you did slip in, people would still sort of take it on board and just say what you had to say about it. And that's what I loved about that. Yeah, certainly, man. I agree. I think that was a good point as well to, to analyse is because when we're actually talking to these people we didn't just like want something from them or they wanted something from us uh you kind of look beyond the sell and you look beyond the like like when um somebody's trying to sell you something that yeah. create this like alter ego when we look past that when we start just communicating with people on like one level and we just we really expressed ourselves and they expressed themselves back and we we made a lot of connections and which is really good and valuable valuable experience of just networking with people and we all need to like network with people not just like in a field or like of um 
a conscious or spiritual festival but all the time we need to be like networking with ourselves with each other really just pushing out who we are and like that's the true meaning of like what i'm on about yeah i love that i've asked when you said that because i've actually found that a lot lately is that so i go through i went through patterns where i've become too comfortable in all in the ordinary patterns that i do so i've noticed that me even in my mind as well me me thought and my beliefs can become too comfortable so i go through that with training i go through that with friends i associate with with this with this um one of the reasons why i wanted us to go at this event as well was to sort of push us out of comfort zone and sort of interact and take the podcast to the next level as well by doing in-person podcasts because it pushes us to the next level as well mm. because i think in life what i noticed is that we can for me as well i, I become too comfortable in um in all my normal patterns that i do day-to-day life and i think it, to, when you do snap out of that it can open the world up to so much more new possibilities and teach you something more about yourself. At the festival, this is a question I want to ask you. When you were at the festival, what was one of the? Um, have you thought about what was the one of the one of the best things that you took away from the festival or learned uh, learned about the festival, or just some sort of introspection that it give you the whole weekend and the interaction with people? Yeah, it was actually um, a really good insight of like how open people are to actually want to hear your message and voice. And that, which is a beautiful um, takeaway, especially because when we do the podcast, sometimes it can feel a bit isolated, like if it's just me and you in a, in a Skype machine. But when we were there and we're with loads of people, you kind of get the whole takeaway of like, wow, this is a big thing. What we're doing here, spirituality, is a huge, a huge actual movement that is happening where a lot of people want to engage in. It's and it was just nice to see the faces on people who might actually listen to the podcast and stuff like that. And it's, you might actually see you're like, wow, these are all these people are here to become a little bit better than they were yesterday. And I was loving that. I was I feeling that vibe that people were there to try and, I know it might think a bit weird, but trying to like buy things, become something which could actually help them become a better person. So I think ultimately all of us were on a like, a journey to improve and that's just a beautiful thing yeah I love that and one one thing I actually took from it as well was and this was you're going to find you might find this very interesting but one of the things that I found very interesting was that you know when we were heading back from the festival and um, we were heading back in the car and we were having a conversation about loads of different topics we were having podcasts of ourselves on the way back in the podcast mm. and one thing that I learned is we were having um, we were having some like deep discussions between me and you, some things that you disagreed on and some things that I disagreed with you, with your essence on, what you believe, and um, which is which is really good. I like mm. that because you need contradictory forces. But I actually learned from that conversation, this was one big thing I took away from the weekend of how contradictory everything is. So no matter how much you believe, no matter how much I believe, both forces are so contradictory when you actually really zoom in, zoom out of it. Mm. And one thing that I learned as well, which is... Um, that sometimes that your own, your own beliefs can sometimes be like arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I do like that. I do like that. Uh, what beliefs um, did you become a little bit more awake on? Oh, so one the first one that caught me head was when we were having a conversation about uh, minimalism mm. and uh, you had different opinions on minimalism. I can't directly remember what it was and I had different perspectives on minimalism but it's just the whole general essence of me and you would have a conversation you had a different opinion compared to me and it just made us realize that beliefs can if you any any belief no matter how much you believe it can sort of become make it make you be an arsehole (laughs) yeah that's a good point actually i mean a lot of people push their beliefs upon others and i think it's just like 
your mind itself it just wants to find the truth yeah i think ultimately we all just want to find the truth like this is right and this is wrong yeah and by the way that wasn't me saying that your beliefs are asshole that was me recognizing my own belief in my mind no, I mean, I'm not trying to dig you out. I've come to the conclusion I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, we both have these belief systems. We all have belief systems where we think, this is right for me. This is the right path. This is the truth. And anything that tries to like come in there and tries to destroy that. Come in there. Hi. <laughs> come, come in there, dis- destroy it. <laughs> uh, if you want to just come in there, destroy it. I don't know. I'm not why, why I keep repeating this, but if you, these um, other people challenge us to actually address our own beliefs which is a true awakening person to actually just look and just go instead of getting defensive about it to actually acknowledge what the other person's seeing and actually address it in your own life is the idea of true growth in my opinion especially when you can hold two contradictory forces in the mind yeah. is what I believe is like a real power that, that can transcend over all aspects of your life yeah, that the, the ability to hold two contradictory forces is the key. I can't remember who what who said who said that again. I think it was some sort of uh, yeah, it was me. Yeah, I think it was some sort go. of wise uh, Zen master. That wasn't you. <laughs> 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 but anyway, what was some? Because um, I wanted to touch on this because we did have some great laughs down this weekend. So what was some? What was some funny things that you encountered? I mean. Here's something you you I know there was some that there was some funny things that you encountered and a lot of funny things that I encountered. But let's do like sort of a duo off. You name one and I'll name a name another one. Right, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you this one because you haven't heard this one yet, and I'll tell you. Um, what I was watching, right, the the silent disco, and it wasn't silent. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it wasn't silent. But everybody who was engaged in it got pushed out of the comfort zone, and I absolutely loved it seeing people who hadn't danced in public before just like starting to like dance around and that and they were looking at everyone saying is this okay is this okay that i'm dancing like this and nobody was bothered everybody was just like live yourself up live your life and i think right at that moment those people found a bit of freedom in life and i love that absolutely love that i found it so funny how they broke away from that societal like i shouldn't be dancing right now but i'm doing it yeah. I, I love that. I absolutely buzzed about that. I was, I was thinking about that um, today. Like, what really did I love about that whole that whole event? And it was this, like when seeing people go out the comfort zone and start dancing that silent disco because it was really good. It was so funny to watch people. Yeah, I love that. I actually, I've had. I mean, we've all had them in our times now in our life where you want to dance and you have that little lad, like they call it the inner bitch, like the inner bitch that's worried about what other people are thinking. Mm. And it's like, it's in a sense, it could be conditioned from society or wherever it's coming from. But like ultimately, if you, to, to really sort of get over that, you just need to make a choice in your mind to not care about what people think. And that, that's, and for me, that's, that's one of the big things that I've done. I know something else I want to talk about later on as well in this podcast is, is when we had our night out. I want to go there a bit later on. Mm. But that ability for me and you, just when we were on our night out, me and you were dancing, we were just sort of, we didn't care what people think. And I think when you can tap into that, it's so beautiful. But I'll tell you before we go there, because we're definitely going there. But one of the things that I want to say, one of my funny things, it might spark some more in your mind. So one of the funniest ones that I encountered was, um, was so someone approached us and said to us, uh, as, me, as me and you were walking around, 
somebody approached us and says, oh, I would, I would love to come on your podcast and stuff like that. I've got loads of great knowledge. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just having a general connection with them and stuff. Oh, because oh, I would love to come on your podcast because I've got a degree in consciousness. <laughs> and me and you were just looking at each other. We're trying to like sort of keep composed at the time and just looking at each other like, so first of all, what it, we, this is what we should have said. We didn't do this in the interaction, but me and you should have done this. So first of all, what is a conscious degree? <laughs> Second of all, what is consciousness? <laughs> Third of all, does consciousness reside in the brain? And fourth of all, is that conscious degree as worthless as mine and Chris's degree that we got in sports sciences? It's <laughs> and, and fifth of all, <laughs> did you also get in debt for that degree? <laughs> it's, it's a scary thought, man. I mean... It's like having a degree in something which you don't know the truth. It's like seeing um It's basically it's like it's like having a degree in jumping in puddles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like having a degree in what happens in the in the um in a ch- a child who's in the who's developing in the womb. What's going on through the child's mind? Yeah. It's like it's like trying to analyze that. You can't analyze it. It's like what was the beginning of time like? Or what is the end of time like? It's like having a degree in the end of time. We don't know. We haven't got a clue about it. And consciousness is one of those things that happened to be right in the middle of existence. And we've just happened to experience it. It's it, Just embrace consciousness. You don't need a, like a degree in consciousness to really express I, like, yourself. I think it's quite funny because someone... So Imagine if someone's actually listening to this right now and they've got, also got a degree in consciousness and then just turn around and they're like, eh, these guys are assholes. <laughs> I've got a degree in consciousness. Imagine that. <laughs> They'd be right. We are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I paid good money for that. <laughs> just honestly, man, get in touch and tell us what you learned and we'll, we'll love to have... Um, Love to know like what what, what, what consciousness what, is. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Honestly, if you know what consciousness is, brother or sister, just get in touch and tell us. <laughs> so anyway, what's some of it? Um, is there any other funny aspects? I mean, what you had a funny encounter with the guy who uh, who was trying to. What he wasn't. What he wasn't. Try, I was going to see. He was trying to sell you a dog, but he wasn't. He knew well as a bean. <laughs> well, yeah. tell that story. That's an interesting story. Yeah. Well, one of the stories was um, when I was walking past one booth and it was a guy selling. Um, not selling anything really he was just trying to he's trying to play on the heartstrings of your emotions and trying to open up your wallet to say oh there you go there you go um, do you think just before you go there I mean do you think he was actually trying to use do you think he was trying to use the, the essence of the festival like the sort of people out there was he trying to use that to sort of sell to sell something yeah 100% I think um, I think that is why there was not just like one of these stalls was three and three uh, three stalls that tried to actually play on human emotion just for uh, profit, really. That's what I perceived it as. Well, when I passed this stall, it was um, looking after a dog and stuff like that. So sponsor a dog. Yeah, sponsor a dog. Um, so we walked past. They said, "You, you guys look like yeah, you love dogs." Mm-hmm. Uh, you said, uh, "Definitely not." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, um, "Yeah, I love dogs actually." So, anyways, he opened a little pamphlet for us, told us to pick a dog play a little game pick a dog went, okay all, all these dogs lovely names Spike Spike Rolo Spot so anyway I picked a dog and it was Spot all Hollywood dog names yeah it was missing Scooby though <laughs> um, so anyway I looked down and I thought oh there's Spot so he started telling a little story about Spot about his little his upbringing and why nobody no, nobody wanted him stuff like that and then he started saying well We've had spot for five months now. 
And honestly, if you, you'll get a little photo of Spot each month, tell him how he's doing. And I was just thinking, if these people have got 50, 50 70, 100,000 people sponsoring this dog, £10 a month, that dog is going to be one well-off dog. I was actually thinking, how these dogs must have like puppy palaces. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But we actually come to conclusion like uh, we've known this for a while but a lot of these charity organizations when they rely upon funding they're um i think it was beholden to a lot of people in a much higher level of uh of in the corporation because there's board of directors that need to be paid there's a chairman chief executive yeah chief executive there's a marketing distribution there's the sales there's actually the people on the shop floor themselves doing the sale well if you actually if you actually do research on on uh, charity on ch- charities and things like that you actually you start realizing that a lot of the money that is actually donated doesn't even actually make it to the real source of what's actually needed because mm-hmm. obviously like you said it's got to be filtered through all these different mechanisms and by the time it gets filtered through all them different mechanisms the thing that you're actually sponsoring doesn't even get sponsored or it gets sponsored like one percent i mean it was like a figure i think i can't remember what it was but it was a figure i'll actually you can look people can look at this i'm sure it's on google or something like that it was floating around on facebook as well i think mm-hmm. but there's like there was like st- stats showing you all these different corporations all these big sort of like cancer research like red cross all these big companies all around the world and it was actually showed you that it was something like nine percent of the of the total profit actually went to charity there's like loopholes that these chart that these charities do to actually make money yeah it's well disgusting that well i'm definitely not going to dive myself into it because i know we can both touch on this so much um but if you actually look at these government organisations like the United States, China, UK, France, Germany, these countries actually are generating trillions and trillions. So there shouldn't be actually be a reason for charity in the first place. All of these should be actually, all of these charities should be, shouldn't really exist. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these cancers and that should just be able to be stopped through lifestyle changes and stuff like that. This is my opinion anyway. I could be completely wrong on the subject. But I believe that a lot of lifestyle changes, if altered correctly, could stop a lot of people's downside. I mean, people smoke for like 40 years and then they get like lung cancer. And then they seek out these like charities to help them. And I know it's a beautiful thing what these charities are doing at the time, but it should first and foremost... At the, it, we're living in the year of 2017 now we shouldn't be like relying on anyone outside of ourselves to like make any changes it, like we should be like thriving right now in society we should be like and I think it all comes down to the lifestyle changes and we know ultimately what is helpful and what's har- harmful to us we know all this That's it's just tapping into that source yeah, I like that. I agree with that. But I, I think as well, though, I do. I still think though there is, like you said, it. It is about you need to become. I always believe this. You need to become. You need to become your own doctor of your body. I think as Wim Hof he says, um, when was the last time you seen a rabbit go to the doctors? And uh, I love that. And it, mean, it does mean multiple dim- multiple dimensions. I mean, I know that the the, um, the medical situation is really good for for, uh, for emergencies and things like that. Mm. But you just got to look at the a lot of look in the uh, sort of the medical industry, and you just got to realize that this is. A very, it's a very profitable business. Like pharmaceuticals is a very profitable business, and you've got to ask, actually ask yourself how much of the real research is actually being done in aid of actually keeping 
the big boys on top to make money. That's what you've got to also ask yourself. I mean, you and then you then from there you can start looking into. I mean, we had Rick Simpson on the podcast who, who was looking at an alternative with uh, using hemp oil as a as a cure or, or a preventation for ca- for cancer. I mean, you just got to look things like. That. I mean, I had someone in my family who died of cancer at the time, and. Um, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't aware of all this alternative information at the time. But even even if I, if at that period, if I was still aware of that information, you still wouldn't have. Even though, let's say, if I turn around to the person in my family who it was who had cancer, who's very close to us, and I turn around to him and says, "Oh, I can get you this hemp oil," that the system would have prevented that. Mm. Would have made that hard for me to do that. And I think that's what, and that's what I think's wrong. That the system is actually says it's only one way and that's it without really like if you were real if you were, if you were a real thinker and you actually were for the people you would try every alternative method yeah. and you wouldn't ban out alternative way of thinking but that's where to not go too deep in it but that's what the system is doing in my opinion yeah definitely I completely agree Dan and it's, it's one of those subjects where because there's a lot of people actually go out the way to help in charities to help and they've seen like people deeply affected by cancer so they believe all these charities are doing great by them so it's a very taboo subject to actually start to criticise charities and start criticise where the money goes and stuff like that because look I agree I think it's a beautiful thing when people actually go out their comfort zone and start to like help people who are, are really needy and stuff like that and without going far too deep on it I think that's a beautiful point on what, why people actually go out there and help other people and here's something as well like that, but the the re- and the reason you're right, but, but the reason why it is taboo is because it's taboo for the reason of societal conditioning. Because if you speak out of if you speak out of people's comfort zones in their mind and see all oh, this charity's bad, people turn around and they'll 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 think that you're bad for that. So because the fact that you're speaking out saying, Oh, I'm not giving to this charity or that charity because ninety percent of the profit doesn't go to it, they'd be like, Oh they would say you know what they would say, they would just they would put you they would put you down as a person mm-hmm. and then you have that in the back of your mind thinking that's why you can't speak out about things. Would you I mean you would find that wouldn't you if you yeah, spoke about that, someone would just jump on you straight away, wouldn't they? And, and try and say that you're bad for saying something like that. Yeah, well you're definitely still conditioned to by societal uh restraints and that is one societal restraint of like want to be liked so it is it's more it's nicer to say um ah oh, i give so much to charity and I, and I really help out um with a lot of charity charitable events than it is to say i'm actually i actually don't support any charity and i don't agree with any charity because i believe that um charities actually take a lot more than they actually give yeah here's something though as well I've, I mean I've, seen, I've said this to you it before it takes courage to say that yeah here's something though I've said this to you before it takes it, it, this is what takes more courage it takes more courage to actually to actually really do the work and take action than it takes to just donate a couple of pounds a month because I think people can easily just donate a couple of pounds a month to a charity and, and think that that's it they're doing the work it's a lot harder to actually take on the responsibility yourself and do some do the research and do the work yourself and take action mm. and that's truth that's a truth bomb right there yeah that's a really good point issue a really good point i think we need to discuss this deeply um in another observing your thoughts on that yeah so it got back to get back and track again but these these this is what this observing our thoughts is, is about because we can just jump all over the place yeah. but anyway here's something i did want to touch on with you i mean was there any other um funny aspects in, in your mind that that sort of uh that you found it amusement in because there's, there's got to be, we've got to touch on some of these yeah I mean like um, one pl- um, it's quite a few really isn't it <laughs> well obviously there's one of them which I know when the the food down there there was a beautiful like vegan restaurant it was like all cool and styled and then you look at like 
the snacks bar in the in the uh, fridge, and there was Coca Cola, Fanta, <laughs> Pepsi. There was all these uh, non enlightened companies like placing all their stuff right there and then. And I was like, jeez, man. But also, um, one of the beautiful things was an, another food incident was when you see uh, there was play, there was a stall called conscious chocolate <laughs> <laughs> and um there was always women there there was every single day we were there there was always like women surrounding this chocolate like oh 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 instant instant enlightened chocolate chocolate take have a bite of this and you become conscious straight away and that, that was that was a really funny one i tell you another uh, very funny one that i liked was um the psychic on the stage mm-hmm. and and this is a big one because I mean, we. I mean, I've done a lot of research into psychic abilities and things like that, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of great research on it. But there's a lot of people, especially at this festival, who were actually just jumping on the bandwagon and using that against vulnerable people. So, pe- so there was a. We went to the um, one of the live stage events where the psychic was on the live stage because we were interested ourselves. We wanted to see what was what he was all about, and it was a, it was a huge crowd drawn for it, and there uh, the psych- psychic was standing on the stage, and then he, the way the the way he sort of. He does his method. What he does, is he sort of, he gets a, he says he gets like a feel for the room, sort of say, and um, he sort of points in one direction. He says, "I'm getting a sort of a channeling f- f- uh, through f- um, from this from this guy. Uh, is anyone in this area? Because I'm getting the, it's, it's it's telling me that in this area over here. Is there anyone in this area of the room over here on the right hand side? Anyone um, used to be a miner? <laughs> well, just straight away, straight off. I mean, I kept me, I kept me, me uh, sort of me." Me non-judgment, judgments in my head because I did really want to hear what he said. But the first word that he said was, "Is anyone in here like granddad or dad used to be a miner who's like ceased, who's dead?" But the thing is, what you which very which is very interesting, which which we were laughing about, is that in the UK, UK is one of the biggest mining industries in the world. Mm. Like I think Birmingham was a big mining industry, but in general, the UK was a very big mining industry at that time. Like in the, I think it was like in the fifties, it was fifties and the forties was very big mining industry. Yeah. So about sixty years ago, when a lot of like granddads and stuff like that were there, that a lot of your our UK grandparents would have been involved in mining somewhere down the line. So obviously, within prep, we're pointing in an area of sixty people. One of them is definitely going to say that they have a someone, one of their fathers in the mining community. But what is really funny is. One woman piped up and she says, "Yeah, yeah, my uh, dad was used to work down the mine. Oh, great, great, it's you, it's you." So anyway, come up on stage. So the woman goes up on stage, and he goes, "So anyway, um, I'm getting the sense that this guy was a lot smaller than me. He's very lot smaller than me. So bear in mind, the psychic was six foot nine on the stage, and he's saying someone was a lot smaller than me. But what was very funny is that the woman who was on the stage actually said." <laughs> he couldn't have picked the worst woman, <laughs> so the woman actually turned around and says, "Oh, my granddad, my granddad was actually um, was 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 seven foot." Uh, yes, I think you said six six. I think but six was something like that. Something like it that. was taller than him anyway, and everyone yeah, just looked. Like some it was taller than him anyway, and everyone was just looking around at the room, just like what the hell. Yeah. And then he and then he turned around, and went, "Oh yeah, yeah." So it mustn't be you. Sometimes when I do these things, I get a bit cross energy. So someone in the far corner of the room, I, I might have been picked it up from someone else. Then he points back to the to the corner of the room where where this woman came from was about sixty people. And he said, "Is anyone else? Does this resonate with anyone else? Does anyone else? Is um, dad used to work down the mine and used to be?" Uh, Smaller than six foot nine. 
And then, and then I found someone. No, no, no. Was, the first thing that was funny is in that collection of sixty, everyone said no. Yeah, no, they did. As <laughs> that well. was a, so. Then he went, oh yeah. Sometimes these energies get crosshaired, so I'll go to the other side of the room. So he went to the other side of the room, and eventually, a room of about thirty thousand people. He eventually found someone who was there, who used to work down the mine, and was was smaller than six foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's so funny because it's I think it's just so funny that like you said this to me that I think sometimes these type of people can discredit the the real research and discredit the real movement, mm. and I think there's a, like for for him anyway we knew straight away that he was just using sort of the the natural new nuances and what's the word like natural um, like circumstances of he's actually using the averages of what what was available. And he's also seeing, like, obviously the average is that he's going to find people that's going to be less than six foot nine. He's going to find people on average who are going to be working down the mines, your grandparents or your father. And he's also going to be working on the average of, like, uh, the flat cap as well because he actually used the idea of the flat cap. And he said, uh, this person's also reaching out and said, um, oh, I wore a flat cap as well. And But the whole idea of it is... It's to try is to try and find a pattern in someone's mind. So they actually that's say, the word I was looking for. Yeah. Pattern. So, so they actually say um, when they said pattern, it could be. Um, I'll give you this example. Of what he said. He said he drinks a, a sorry. He smokes a pipe after dinner. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for someone who he smokes a he tells you he smokes a pipe after dinner. So immediately that person who he's told will be looking for a moment in their life where they actually seen their granddad smoking a pipe after dinner where and that person could go oh well um he didn't he didn't do it often but i remember that one time where he, he did actually smoke and a pipe after dinner and that to me that to them would trigger that like memory of like what they would see so it, that's the pattern in the mind that he finds he could find like a proper bleak like far out connection to it but somehow he's made the connection yeah, yeah, and I think once he do, once he does make that once we notice that once he did make that connection, he starts like he starts using that word and and dig, dissecting deep from them nuances. So like the one he said, not to go too deep in it, not to, just to, to completely butcher like that that area of work because I do believe that there's people who can do that. Mm. But um, I don't think I don't think there's like at this festival there was like fifty people all charging a hundred pound in one corner of the room. There's not hundred and fifty psychics who can do this in Birmingham. Um, but I think, like like I just said before, he uses certain nuances. So like you said, do you work down the mine? Do you smoke a pipe? Do you have a flat cap? Well, that was the whole general essence of that time of that era. Like I think it was like the 40s or the 50s. Like, I remember my granddad, he used to have a flat cap. He used to work down the mine. At one time, he probably smoked a pipe. It's, it's, just, pull on, it's just using the nuances. I mean, is there any other funny things that you... Um, that, from the festival I'll tell you another interesting one for me was um, I said this to you but when you walk in this was a funny one so there was these things at the festival and you remember like the distillers so the distillers oh, yeah, are yeah. things that uh, that, that um, put out all the um, put out the, 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 the scents the smelly scents in the in the air the diffusers like, yeah diffusers that's what they're called diffusers but there was so many diffusers there I was actually saying it should have been the mind uh, not just the mind body money festival but it should have been the mind body uh, asthma festival <laughs> there was just so many you walked in there there was just you were just hit with so many of these chemicals and god knows what uh, what was in half of these distillers <laughs> it smelled nice though <laughs> yeah it smelled nice your lungs weren't liking it though <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's actually a funny point actually um you could actually smell it when we were walking around um the whole place the whole facility you could actually smell it like the whole yeah. essence of it and it was like even even when you weren't in the Mind Body Spirit Festival you could actually smell it <laughs> um, 
here's an interesting one. I mean, we touch on this as well. Something I want to touch on with you, but we when we knew this this is an interesting one because when we were um, I mean, when we knew we heading we were heading towards the Mind Body Spirit Festival, I mean, you were sort of high vibed and stuff like that. And when we got to the festival, um, when we first saw it, we parked parked the car up, mm. and you, it, what was interesting to me that you couldn't even um, you couldn't even walk to the uh, to the main doors of the festival. You actually had to get a bus because the way the the whole setup was set up, you couldn't just walk on the roads. It was like set up in a way where you had to actually pay for parking to sort of to drive to the venue. So you so we, it's all straight away when we hit that door it was all money orientated mm-hmm. so we had to pay for parking then we had to get on the bus because we weren't allowed to walk to the venue even though it was only two seconds on a bus we got off the bus but me and you this was interesting to me when we me and you were first work, working through the to get to the venue the event me and you were looking at each other saying this doesn't feel right straight away because it was sort of like a super uh, supermarket, like a sort of a big shopping mall sort of thing, wasn't it? And there was mm. the vibe straight away was just you were just hit with like everything was about sort of materialistic selling objects, and it was just far from what we were trying to get from that whole environment. Mm. I mean, you, 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 did you feel that? Yeah, I definitely felt. Um, I, I definitely felt this vibe that actually that it was more of a consumer-based society. Um, but it actually left me with a lot of questions afterwards. I thought, um, is this what's been pulling in spirituality now? Is the whole idea of selling spirituality coming more bigger than the experience of actually having a spiritual experience? I mean, was it people going there to try and find themselves? But instead, I think they found just more questions, more actually, I'm going to get involved. I want to buy this. I'm going to buy that. Yeah, you said one thing to me that which took, stuck in my mind. You can, I don't know if you remember this, but you said that you would have actually got more um, satisfaction and would have got more, would have took more from just actually being in the woods with us, like just me and yeah. us walking through the woods and maybe going, us going camping out or going to Lake District and you said you would have got more from just that environment and I, I really resonate with you when you say that because there's just something about that that whole essence of this, of a, of a materialistic, of, a, of a, like a, a, a place that's manufactured around materialism that sucks something out of you. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I agree one hundred percent. And yeah, I did say that um, that I would find more of a spiritual experience with just you and me friends walking through the woods and camping out. Um, that experience there as well, not just completely degrading it, but I didn't find like I didn't find what I was asking, what I was really looking for, which was um, to try and find some truth about what is actually present in spirituality I found more questions like is this the direction of where spirituality is heading yeah and do you do you, I know you said it before as well when you said about I mean was this what you were trying to say there to go back to it were you saying that because this is the, sort of a, a bit of point that I got is that to a certain degree not everyone this is not everyone I don't want to just be this this, this conversation all about butch and the festival because there was a lot of very good minded people there mm. but do you think that there was a lot of going on that was uh, using the sort of the nuances of spirituality to sort of just to sell products? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the whole, a lot of people out there who were just ready to talk to you. I mean, some people only talked to you for a few minutes or something like that, but immediately you knew they had an agenda. You know, they had the agenda to sell. They didn't want to get to know you. Didn't want to know you as a person. Not everyone, but oh, no, it's definitely not everyone. You like your needs and values, and that like were not really taken in consideration. Like a lot of people were there to try and find themselves and try to find an answer to some question that's been like bugging them in life, or to actually find someone who can really help them and and find like open up that understanding. But 
it wasn't a place like where you'd find like your awakened mind there was a lot of people what I noticed is when I was sort of because it, I loved it by the way because it gave it gave me a lot of introspection on both sides of the coin and one of the big introspections I got what you were just saying there was I actually noticed that it was a lot of to me anyway I mean this might just be coming from me just judging I mean pipe us down on this if I'm judging on this if you if you didn't think this or you'd think I'm completely out of order by saying this but I thought there was a lot of vulnerable people there there was a lot of vulnerable people there who are who are seeking something more in their life and are seeking more knowledge and seeking a better understanding about their life and I felt that the, there was a lot of people who were who were who were using that against them, and but a lot of people's psychology of who was looking for that, in my opinion, was actually believing that whatever they did at that festival was going to be a quick fix for for their rest of their life. But I was, but me and you both know that that nothing is a quick fix. Mm. The journey itself actually makes you realise that the whole journey itself is the is is the thing you've got to learn. It's not just these little segments of you going to someone and so that's it, you're healed, and that's it, you go back to your normal life and just keep doing all this same bullshit you were doing. Yeah, I think we're all vulnerable in a way though, Dan. Like not just, I think even one of the most strongest enlightened minds can be still vulnerable in some area of the life. Uh, and to go a, bit, a little bit further to what you're talking about, I think... Yeah, a lot of people there were actually searching for something, and did they actually find out their answer? Did that? Did they actually find the truth, like to what um, question they were seeking? That's for them to decide. But I couldn't. I couldn't find my answer of what I was expecting to be in that area, that environment. Like, I could probably just walk out now, and I could walk through the woods by myself, ask some deep questions in my mind, a completely free experience me in nature filling up the breath of fresh air in my lungs looking at like what nature's built what the universe has provided for us all and I could find a deep spiritual experience right there and then I don't need a 100 pound psychic to tell me this or I don't need a 200 pound an hour um, therapist to write I diagnose each and every issue in my mind I just need to be somewhere where I can be free with me more mind and ask that questions. So, someone said this to me. I think I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, James, who we know. But he said, I'm sure he said to me that some of the best, the best, the best uh, work, work for uh, the best, the best, um, the best improvements that you can make on yourself is when you actually do the inner work yourself. When you don't, when you're not always looking for something outside yourself to give you an answer. When it's just you and your inner self, and you really, you like you said, you walk through the woods and you actually really tap into your inner self and ask yourself you, the biggest questions to your core. That's when you can find the biggest truths about yourself. Mm. I love that. And here's something as well I want to ask you actually as well. Um, and this was a realization that I got that a lot of people at that festival, for me anyway, they were sort of preaching to the already converted mm. and I know it's obviously a festival around that so it's going to be a, the whole festival is built around that whole essence but I got this feeling in my head at that time and this was one of the realisations I come to I can't remember if I told you this but I said that a lot of these people who were at this festival aren't going to reach the masses because it seemed to me that it was very even though it was like sort of a spiritual festival to a certain degree, whatever you want, how you would define spiritual, even though spiritual means everything to me. It's, mm-hmm. it, how do you define spirituality? But it was very, um, the word that comes to my mind was very stiff. So you couldn't, it was, you couldn't just have a laugh with it. Mm. It was not, wasn't, there wasn't many aspects where it was, you could just like open up and you, I got the full essences is that if you approached, if you sort of, um, 
Like, the, here's an example. Not approach people because there's a lot of people who were open, but it's the live stage. If me and you did a podcast on that live stage, if me and you started talking about some of the concepts that we've talked about on this podcast, like um, wanking Def off. <laughs> if Def stand in front of you and he, and he lobs out his, his willy and asks you to do something for the, the biggest question about the universe, would you do it? If we said something like that, I think we would actually be taken out of an environment like that because I got the whole vibe and sense that there's certain things that are out limit, out out of limits. Mm. Did you find that? It seemed it seemed to me that it needed some humor to shake it up. And I think if 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 the humor was actually there, it would be more relatable to the average Joe. I think it was like I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it was kind of like uh, stiff, because I, I'm a full believer in the whole idea of like when you're in motion, it creates emotion, and so when you're in that environment, that's what's beautiful about Tony Robbins is like when he's in that environment, he gets people moving. He gets people like feeling awake constantly, like their bodies have got to be in motion to create that connection, that neurological connection. Whereas I think, I think it was played down to be a bit more like sciency, a bit more like restricted in what you can and can't do. There was a lot of authority there. It was like, don't have an ex- spiritual experience without paying a cost for it. You know what I mean? I was constantly like, I kind of think you were like, if you wanted to express yourself a little in that environment. I, th- I kind of feel like you looked at it, you still like looked at how society would look at you, where it shouldn't be. Yeah, here's something I want to touch on with you as well is because um, we've just completely butched it. <laughs> but now we've got to be. But at the end of the day, me and you have got to be brutally honest with your experience. You can only, you can only talk. You can only go off the experience that you've had in front of your face, and you've got to be. You've got to be brutally honest. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about with you, and this was an experience that I wanted to go a bit deep with you because we didn't really. Um, we didn't have, haven't had really time to digest this. And I actually had a lot of people on, on my Instagram when I posted a video video with me doing the light device, the uh, the Pandora Star, what we did with Todd. We talked about this on the the first episode that we did with the festival mm. um, called Parallel Universes and Parallel Realities. But um, I, someone asked us, like, how, how was the experience of the Pandora Star? And I couldn't really, I didn't really have time to sort of digest it because it was like sort of an experience. It was a bit like a sort of a psychedelic experience where or like an state of consciousness where you need time to digest that that essence of what's just happened and what's just actually went through you. Mm. I mean, how did how did you find the light device? I mean, you've had more time to digest it now. I mean, what's some of your feelings around it? Yeah, I thought the light device was a very deep and powerful, impactful uh, device that can really work and alter a lot of the connections in the mind. One of the connections that I found was... Um, was that I was experiencing something so profound and so deep and unique, but that my body and my mind wanted to see the full reality at that moment, but I think something was voiding it. Something was altering like my whole perception of reality, and it was thinking, what is beyond this? There is something that beyond my five senses that that I want to experience, but there I'm, I'm stuck on this limited plane of existence. When I say limited, I'm, I'm limited to the five senses. I'm exper- I want to experience this. It was basically the whole experience was telling us there was something more to life, something more to experience, and that you haven't reached it yet. I, I love that. How you, so you, I loved how you said that there. So you're basically just saying that there's something just outside of your grasp, just outside of outside of your filter reality that you can't 
you know it's there, but you just sort of your body's maybe holding you back. But here's a question I want to ask you as well. I mean, when you were in, were in the experience when I was watching you, you were sort of um, there was a period in that time where you did something very interesting. I also did something very interesting. So maybe I'll go into why I did it, and I'd love to see why you went into it. But there was a, a time in that moment when you were doing the light device that you were very heavy breathing, so you were going, <sighs> and I, and one thing that I did, I actually started laughing. I mean, so why did you, why did you, can you, were you conscious, conscious or why you were actually heavy breathing like that? Yeah, well, I was, I think I was heavy breathing. I don't know why I was heavy breathing. I think it was because, um, it's either because the music quickened its pace and I think I was trying to keep up myself with the music or that the experience was getting a bit too vivid and real beyond the point of this reality and me breath was trying to keep me on a limited plane or I was just trying to intake more oxygen so I can enjoy the experience more vividly but what I was trying to actually think when I was in that moment when I started breathing heavier I started to feel a bit more like the experience was a bit too unique that I couldn't really understand it and maybe me using my breath was trying to just keep me there keep me on a on a plane of like knowing don't worry you're still here you're still connected to this reality I'm still in control maybe the mind itself doesn't want to let go fully it wants to stay in control maybe it's that egotistical part of the mind that's holding us back I, I, I know that's how I resonate with that as well because that was this that was a similar emotion I got from why I was laughing because like you said it's something the it, the body's trying to to touch you touch to yourself touch you and stop you from maybe fully letting go that's the perfect way to say it fully letting go mm. and that was what it was weird because I, I could feel myself in that laughing because and one of the reasons why I was started laughing initially for was because I got this general sense of just being completely my whole vessel was overwhelmed with like this sense of love and sense of gratitude. That's that's what I felt like. But I've had it's very interesting because I had this example once where I've had these other examples in life where I've I've laughed in certain circumstances. So I had an example where I was uh, in a cross country race one time, and I was like out, out in front leading the cross country race. And uh, it was me and my friend, and we were both in, in the lead, sort of running this race. And it seemed to be seemed to be that I'd pushed my body to my ultimate le- ultimate limit, mm-hmm. and um, had obviously nothing else to give. And I was right to me sort of maximum, just pushing my body. And then all of a sudden, there was about ten minutes left in the race, and I just started bursting out laughing, like uncontrollable. And it was like sort of the body was putting up a mechanism to sort of whatever it could do to stop me from going to that next level, whatever it is. Oh. But I've had another example as well where a guy a guy at school who I used to know, a good friend, he actually got knocked over. And I wasn't there at the time he got knocked over, but someone turned around and said that he also, at the time he got knocked over, he was laughing. He broke into sort of a laughter. So it maybe, maybe like as a safety mechanism, when the body is sort of hitting a flow state or hitting a, um, like an altered state of consciousness, not in all circumstances, but maybe the body tries to, as a, as a late mechanism, for some reason, I don't know what it is. So that's probably a podcast for itself, a deeper conversation. Mm. But it seems to put up sort of like a, a front or a or a holding, like a, a like a sort of a lock on your mind, whatever, and and makes you sort of it, it makes you physically sort of laugh or something like that. That's a really really good point, by the way. And it, I think it, I think it definitely comes down to the, the self defense mechanism um, that keeps you in the present moment itself. Uh, I don't know why it wants to keep you in the present moment. Maybe this is probably why it actually stops us. Like, you know, when we're actually thinking forward, 
we think in our in the past or we think in the future we actually experience things like depression and anxiety well a lot, some people do i know you have a different take on it when you look in the future and look in the past i certainly do but when we actually look in the, the future and the past our body reacts with um with these thoughts of depression and anxiety like our body gets fueled with the emotion of like say if you're you think oh i'm gonna be running late tomorrow at work so your body immediately gets these like connections of being late your body actually puts itself into that into that moment of actually experiencing it so maybe it doesn't want you to actually analyze everything about the um, future it just wants to keep you in this present moment that's why it might have stopping you maybe that's a connection of why the body is actually stopping us from looking into the future or, or looking into these devices maybe it's something like stopping us from reaching these different part levels of the mind yeah i've had i've had the, these i have them trails of thoughts all the time and obviously you know i've said this to you before as well but i think alan watts says we live it he says we live living we are living in the internal now so maybe maybe there is we look at we perceive life as like the past and the future but maybe it's not it's just all on one sort of linear plane of of, of like sort of life but i also ask the question as well as like a lot of people say you've got to live in the now you don't think about the past don't think about the future but you've also got to ask yourself is the question is why do we have and i don't know the answer to this i'm just throwing it out there like this is what i'm asking myself is why do we have the ability to think about the past and think about the now eh, sorry think not about the now think about the past and think about the future and one of the conclusions that I've come to in my head and it's probably absolutely wrong <laughs> is that because it's a tool because we can you can learn especially the, the the past you can learn about what you've done and you can you can change that you can change your reality of you can use that as a, a gauge to sort of shift something or shift your direction in life that's what I feel anyway yeah, that is an actual beautiful point. I mean, we actually need to look at the, like the past, the present, and the future as a tool, because when we actually look at it as a tool, we can use them for a beneficial. Um, but we've got to be in the right frame of mind to use them as a tool. I mean, we can't be thinking of like depressive thoughts and stuff like that, and or living in this whole negative plane of existence, without actually understanding like about the effects of when when you look back in the past. When you look back in the past and you actually see the the problems that lie that you've that you've been through and you think, oh man, I've I've had a crap childhood. You start like actually embody that crap childhood. You know what I mean? And you also, if you're in the present moment and you're actually seeing yourself, oh god, I'm going about. I'm just feeling like crap, man. My job sucks. This is all I'm doing is I'm on the phone all the time, work connect, yeah. trying to connect with people. And then they'd be thinking, well, I've got to go home tonight. And like when I get in. Like the food's going to be cold because I've got to make it myself and I can't and I haven't learned <laughs> yeah. to cook yet. But there's always a problem. But I think me and you actually talked about this before and we talked a lot of spirituality says you've got to live in that present moment to find happiness. Whereas I don't agree with that. And I think if you look forward in like in life, you can actually picture and analyze a lot of like what's actually available to you. Especially if you use everything in, in the available now as an opportunity. So if you're actually looking forward, you can use that as an opportunity for growth, especially if you look back in the past as well of like your past mistakes. And you could say, do you remember that time when I got absolutely wasted on them seven pints? I'm never going to do that again because I remember my body's connection to like how I felt at that point. Point. So I'm glad that I had the experience of getting so shit-faced that, yeah. I, that I woke up with that hangover. And then in the future, you can also look at it as well like, oh, that, that bill that's coming in as well. 
that's actually making me worry about my finances. Maybe I should actually look at my finances and start like altering the, altering that. The trajectory, so, yeah. Yeah, altering the trajectory of it so it's in a positive state of mind. So in the past, the present and the future, you can all be happy. You don't have to just be happy in the present. In the in the future and in the past, it can also be tools of guides to, for positive growth. That, that, that actually leads into one of my... Um one of my uh, observing my thoughts that I've been doing lately as well is ties it ties perfectly because I've been actually um, just the simple art of just writing stuff down like mm-hmm. I've really been like because sometimes what I've been doing this all through about the last five years I've been doing it all the time but you slip in and slip out of it like mm-hmm. by writing things down and you just forget about it but what I've started doing now is on, on the front of my laptop and things like that and I have a little notebook as well especially in the garage when I'm training and stuff like that I actually write down specifically what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and it really allows you to sort of hone in on it but also as well, when you actually, the simple art of just writing something down, it allows the information to stick in your subconscious mind and really it allows the, the pattern to form better in your mind so you can you can keep doing it in your life. I mean, um, I mean you've done this as well. You've been doing the art of um, like sort of even just goals, writing goals down. And it's weird how you, I mean, it's weird how, I mean, how many, do you, I mean, do you, have you ever done this? Have you, how many goals you write down on a piece of paper and then you go back to them like a week later and look and how many actually you've, ticked off without even realising it mm. do you do that quite often with your goals yeah definitely I think that's look and constant analysis of my goals is really crucial to my success it's amazing how much they do sort of uh, manifesto mm. by just the simple art of writing it down there's something there's some there's some form of like it's hard it's, I can't even explain it with language but there's something that happens when you start that happens in the art of just writing shit down. There's something that happens. Yeah. And uh, well, I've studied. I've studied this before because I, I study a lot of habits, a lot of habitual like um, patterns, habitual patterns of the mind, of the body, the neurological connections, what the mind and body bring, especially to habits. They say after 21 days, a habit can be fully formed into the body and mind, which I, I believe. I think, preferably, I think it can be a bit longer than that. I, I, it's funny just jump in there sorry jump in but it's funny how you said 21 days because it was about I think it was about maybe about 20 or 20 days it took me to, to form the habit of yoga and I have I've never missed a day since now mm. I did like a yoga 30 day yoga challenge and it's really sort of st- them 20 days worked with me it really stuck in my mind yeah. well yeah definitely that's it and I'm really glad it has to be honest because your outlook has definitely been different here's one of the things that I was thinking of was um, I've studied a lot of habits and patterns and and the mind's neurological connections and they say like if you listen to a piece of advice and you don't act upon it even if it has like even if you thought like wow that advice was amazing if you don't act upon that advice or don't write it down you can't physically gain a neurological connection to it so you lose that in 30 days That it, it's like that piece of information didn't exist but if you write it down so you've immediately created the neurological connection of that thought with a hand with your movement of your hand on a piece of paper you've connected like a neurological connection to it so you work with your like your mind and body and that actually increases that to 45 days but if you're actually on an increase of you've uh, listened to the advice it's been worthwhile you've actually got the neurological connection of writing it down and you've also acted upon it and you've seen like the results and you've got the emotional connection to how you felt during it, then that could be endless. That that connection could last up to a year easy. Yeah, well here's something as well when um I mean when me and you were in university, I can remember 
So when I was sitting in the in the class, just to take, here's an example of nutri- we were doing a nutrition lesson, and I was taking in all that information, and it wasn't it wasn't soaking into my mind. And um, the only way that that information is soaked in is when I've actually practically went on a journey myself of of actually cooking my own food, of preparing my own food, of actually eating the eating the foods and actually analyzing how does my body feel how does my body feel like half an hour after eating a certain food mm. not what not what just not what someone's telling you you need to actually sort of physically put that in practice and it's the same for a, an example another example is like when i go in the gym i can watch a video all i want about how to do a muscle up but i'm letting my mind them neural connections in my mind are actually go out there and physically go in the gym and do that do the gymnastic movement of the muscle up. Mm. I'm never physically going to actually master it. Wait, I wouldn't say the word master, but do, to basically do it, unless I'm actually physically do it myself. Like yeah. repetition, 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 and it, it's comp- it, that's and it's the practical side of that that seeds the thing in your mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely, it certainly does. I mean, uh, not a, it doesn't even have to be on the huge aspect of like completely changing your your. You're like in this, when you use the example of a muscle up, you're using all of your body in that moment to like really learn it. It doesn't. You don't even need that. You could just be like in a supermarket, and immediately when you pick up the can, you turn it to see the ingredients. That's what I do. Yeah. That's a habitual condition in my mind now. That it's immediately I turn the can and I look at the ingredients. That happens immediately in everything, not just in cans, but all the ingredients of like all the food that's going to be put into my body I'll actually look behind it's and that's just a simple thing of turning the can it creates that neurological aspect in the mind so as soon as I pick the can up I immediately just want to read the back because that's what a because that's what I've been habitually conditioned to do yeah like that here's something as well I want to touch on with you as well was um, our night out I, I really got so much introspection on that the weekend when me and you had our when mm. we had that, had that night out when we are down at the Mind Body Spirit Festival I mean what did you f- find best about the about the night out we had because that was very that was a, provided me a lot in in, in introspection because we both didn't we both didn't drink any alcohol and we had an absolute yeah. amazing night out it was so good just dancing and stuff so what what did you, what did you like about that well the whole I, I liked the loads about it man I am um, but let me just give you a bit of everyone a bit of context before that like I say like what I liked about it is me and Dan we went out there around Birmingham on the night out so we drove down there parked up. Twelve pound for um, parking, <laughs> which which immediately you get ticked off. You're looking for a place, uh, you, you don't know the area. You're thinking, "Geez, somebody's man, are we going to find somewhere?" So we we'll, we get a taxi to Broad Street, which is in nightclubs in Birmingham, and that. So we walking up and down there, looking for a place, and then eventually we find one place, and we go in, and we just sit down, and we actually think, "This beautiful vibe in here, so like beautiful place." Dance floor was empty. It was cool, chill out music going. So we get on. No DJ. It's just like the sets automatically playing. So we get up, we start dancing. We like. Then all of a sudden, we just didn't care. Every people started watching us. All the booths around were starting to get filled up. And then people started like mingle on the dance floor a little bit. Like, e we're all we're all, we're the first ones up as well. We're <laughs> up there as well. And all fairness, we didn't give a crap about that. All we cared about was just living in that moment of dancing yeah. experiencing it I loved it how it was a com- it was a completely empty dance floor and me and you love dancing so me and you just um, like we've got like a lot of people can't I mean obviously I resonate with a lot of people a lot of people can't just go up and 
that like a lot of people say to me how can you do it how can you go on a night out and and enjoy yourself without alcohol mm. and then that's that puts you've just got to ask you when someone says that that sends up the um, it's conditioning it's, it's con- yeah, yeah it's conditioning to me straight away and uh, but we I just loved every as- aspect about it because empty dance floor me and you just sort of dancing crazy different ways and what I, what I, the introspection I got from it though as well which I want to touch on was that so the dance floor was completely empty there was no one up no one was willing to take that first step leap up to go on the dance floor and me and you went up there and we started a chain reaction and that can go for life as well so two people's got on the dance floor but it only needs to be one person so one person get on that dance floor and someone else can see someone else enjoying themselves and they really want to get up in the in the back of their minds they're saying I want to get up I want to get up but they're not mm. the other the other wolf in the head that we talk about is saying no 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 don't go out people will judge you people will laugh at you I'm too fat I'm too skinny you know what I mean I don't look good today my hair's not, the, hair's not right but then Ultimately, once one person gets up, it gives someone else confidence and it's it's like the mm. domino effect. It makes someone else spiral and then someone else will get on the dance floor. So me and you are on the dance floor, then two other people go on the dance floor, three other people, four other people. Before you know it, the whole dance floor is full. And I think that also as well, that, that whole understanding transitions over in life. We are like to say it is. And this is the introspection I actually got just from me and you dancing on the dance floor. It's crazy how much things in life can actually give you introspection. That's why I talk about how how everything's spiritual no matter what it is drinking a pint spiritual eating a bag of crisps is spiritual because in that essence of you eating the bag or drinking the pint can give you so much understanding about who you are but can also give you so much introspection about the like life around you so anyway we um so what it said to me is and what introspection it gave to me is that in society say if someone is um the form of dancing in the form of people actually going out of the comfort zone and getting up on the, getting the dance floor and the, the domino effect anyway let's say that um, in society everyone else is just going along with the normal mundane sort of crap of saying I need to do this I need to do that and not really sort of like looking up and analysing themselves mm. if people st- if because what, what I think that whole effect is is that say if I go on the, um, the whole aspect of someone else just one person going to pick, making a healthy option or someone going to the gym today or actually someone picking up a, a book and reading a book and learning a bit of new information. I think that's that the start of that dance. So how how we got up on the dance floor and it started the chain reaction, that is also the, the chain reaction that started when you start doing something positively. So you go and eat a big piece of food, that's you getting up off your feet and just starting to wiggle your body. You're wiggling a little bit. Mm. So you take a snack of, a, of, a, of an apple instead of a chocolate bar, you're starting to wiggle again. And then from there, you start you, you, eat, a, you eat two apples. <laughs> then you start going in the gym. You start doing a bit of yoga. You start meditating. Whatever it is, you start educating yourself. Mm-hmm. You're starting to dance a little bit more. And you're just like wiggling your body like... But then it's so beautiful when you actually do step into that and you start dancing and you're, just, you're moving and you're in flow. Everything's going right. You're eating healthy. You're educating yourself. You listen to your send podcast. <laughs> you're asking the questions like, what the fuck am I doing right now? But then that, you listen to the Ascend podcast again. <laughs> again, again, yeah. again. But, it, but it's so true though because that's, it's like, the I think that's that's the wiggle of life of you actually sort of, sort of becoming the sort of uh, caterpillar and becoming the butterfly and you start, and you're just in full flow dancing and that's what I got with me and you on that dance floor. Me and you were sort of, I couldn't, I, I didn't want to leave. Like in the end, it was quite funny because you actually dragged me off that dance floor as well and uh, yeah my toes were bleeding <laughs> yeah but we, we did a lot of dancing then though it was actually quite funny because someone actually come up to us as well and says um, do, you, do you ever stop dancing and I went I never stop dancing <laughs> but it's so funny though it's, uh, because I think when we're in them moments 
I love to just I'm somebody who just loves to um like to sap every single like sort of every sap try and sap every single enjoyment out of the thing the thing itself mm-hmm. and I understood that when me and you were on that dance floor we weren't worrying about anything we're not really worrying about our relationships not worrying, worrying about our jobs not even thinking about the podcast it was just me and you and our pure sort of essence of who we are just expressing ourselves just moving our bodies in different ways and I, I thought it was beautiful I love that yeah we really hit the present moment that's what I thought of it as here's something here's something interesting as well I want to touch on with you when we were the um when we were in sort of Birmingham and stuff like this, and this was a big realisation that I got was that, so where we live in the UK, like it is still, there's parts of the plot where we live that's very busy. Mm. But when we actually, we, we, we felt this when we were driving down in the car to go to Birmingham and we felt that how, how more sort of, um, what's the word, how more busy it was getting, like there was mm. more and more people, more and more cars on, the, cars on the road and stuff like that going down to the yeah. festival. But a big introspection that I got is in realisation, it, so it was, I think it was half one in the morning, and we were, stuck, we were heading home, there was so much traffic. Yeah, there was as well, wasn't it? There was traffic jams. And that gave to me a massive introspection that how many human beings are actually on the planet. I really, it really shocked us through my system of how many, pe- how many people and humans of us are actually constantly moving around all of, the, all of the place. What do you think about that? Yeah, it made me think, why isn't everybody in the bed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, just like us yeah like quarter to two in the morning like and everyone's driving the cars and that and there was complete standstill in the middle of Birmingham I was just thinking bloody hell imagine what it's like on Monday morning <laughs> <laughs> rush hour for work yeah blo- that's so scary man uh, but I really enjoyed it um, it was a good perception of life actually Actually, when I looked at all them people thinking honking the horns and I've got to get somewhere I've got to get somewhere yeah. and I'm thinking we're all going to be somewhere brother just be right here. <laughs> <laughs> be in the now. Do you think though, do you think, because this was a question that I actually formulated in my mind from this one, asking, do you think the the whole essence of all of, of all the people, like, are we going to be, because this is what I keep asking myself, are we going to be our own downfall? Because we know that, the, to, to sense that, I mean, I thought about this as a process I'm going through at the minute where I'm analysing myself and, and like, obviously, I'm, to a certain degree, I, I know that I'm judging myself mm-hmm. as well. But, um, and probably maybe being too harsh on myself. Yeah. Or unless that's just my ego trying to protect that as well. <laughs> but I keep asking myself the question, is, I mean, are we going to be our own downfall? Because we're, we're, is, in this, I'm seeing this to myself as well. I'm not just seeing this as, as like, I'm not, when I see people, I'm, I'm meaning myself as well. Because I'm very materialistic. Like, everything is, I'm seeing how much, I keep asking myself this question, how many objects make up my reality of how many support who I am as a human being so I have so I have a house mm. I wear clothes you've got no clothes on you're naked now but uh, I've got clothes on anyway <laughs> you asked us to be though <laughs> <laughs> so you've got no clothes on I've got clothes on so that's one of my things to create my foundation right now mm. I've got a house I've got a car but we, so many things make up who we are as people Mm. Like if you zoom away from that, like how many things actually make up who you are as a person to to fit to create your reality? How many how many objects outside of your sort of fit, just your body make up who you are? And I think in the in and I think at times that can become overloaded. It can become too like you can become too heavy. Mm. And I, I'm I'm just asking the question that as a society are we becoming too heavy? And are we sort of that flock of salmon heading towards the net without realising yeah. is there not enough people like popping their heads up and saying what are we doing before the whole society just crashes Crashes. I mean if you think about it 
like Graham Hancock talks about this in some of his work where he says that civilizations have come and gone but has that been our downfall in the past like technologically we are good but in the past has that been our downfall we've we've got too much for ourselves we've become too materialistic or whatever it is and that is our downfall in society's crash because we know now that um we're at a point now where we need to start making decisions like globally like we're still we're technologically great but we're still cutting down trees mm-hmm. we're still we're technologically doing great things in certain areas like we're talking about going to Mars and things like that but we can't even get th- get things in, pl- in in place to support the planet to support support human needs or support or support everything on the planet I think when we're actually looking at human needs we're actually missing the fundamental needs of actually just what is actually what what do we truly want and it's interesting that one of the number one um issues in america right now is loneliness a lot of people are missing the whole connection of like humanity um and especially with your phone as well um because i actually noticed this last night actually and it's been on me thoughts today i've been wanting to bring it up the last two times we've done this actually but um i was scrolling through my phone and and at one point right i couldn't stop scrolling i just couldn't i couldn't stop and i was like i need something else so I went on the internet, I was scrolling through the internet, things I've like looked at before, like articles, even informative articles, I was like, I don't even know what I'm looking for now, and I was just lost in it, and um, it's interesting how you use the description of being heavy, because right at that moment, my phone made me feel heavy, Yeah. it just feel like, uh, I don't even know what I'm doing now, you know what, actually, um, I downloaded like an app, like three apps, and straight away, like I thought, why have I just downloaded this? And everything was just getting more and more heavier. I was thinking, I'm I'm searching for something. I don't know what I'm searching for, but just keep looking on your phone. And eventually, like, I'm thinking this phone's in control of me now. I love I love that. And actually, it's funny you said that. So that was last night. You had that introspection because I had yeah. the exact same introspection. So I was actually, it's weird you saying that, you know, because I had that same f- feeling last night as well. That um, I was looking at my phone. And I felt myself just scrolling through my phone for the sake of it. And it was, and you were saying how you, you started looking for apps to try and sort of, were you trying to look for positive apps to try and sort of. Truthfully, truthfully they were football managing apps. Were they really? Yeah. I... So, but, so you're actually, so you're trying to sort of curve your sort of, you're trying to, you're trying to fill your life with something that's going to sort of better yourself, whatever it is. You know what I mean? That's going to crave you. It's going to curve your time or whatever it yeah, is. Definitely. But even even the sense as well as to go back to the, the objects as well it seems to be that object everyone's craving objects to provide you something to mm-hmm. provide you to provide you something psychologically like a, whether it's a quick fix or just something to fill your fill your existence up with you're constantly looking for things to fill up but i've actually realized that when i'm going through a process now where instead of filling up i'm taking away things and the yeah. more i'm taking away things i'm actually feeling better about myself and I know you, we've said this before, we had a conversation about in the car, where you said everyone can take away everything they've got and still be unhappy, and that's completely true. Mm. But the part I'm at now as well, you've got to ask yourself, how many things are you filling, how many things are you filling yourself up just for the sake of filling it up, mm. instead of really filling it up for purpose and really to provide yourself that extra next level as who, you, who you're going to become? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. what I, that's what I mean. I think that's a realization that you got. You're just you realize that you were just downloading apps for the sake of just filling up your time. When mm-hmm. the, when the, the art should have been the art of that conversation for you, the realization which you probably did this, you probably should have just instead of downloading apps, you should have probably just deleted all your apps and do, and turned off your phone. That's re- yeah, that's hundred percent another realization. But then that I, was the realization I got the other night. One, of, then it's interesting because one of the actual I was actually listening to what, um, I was actually listening to another podcast and it was talking about. Um, 
five ways on how to make your relationship outstanding. I thought, all right, I'll give this a listen. And I was just walking the dog this morning, about six o'clock this morning, and and one of them said um, it was talking about where is the connection. And immediately I thought about the last night, and I thought, um, my partner's with us, and she'll be looking for me for a connection, whereas I was searching for through my phone for a connection, and I was looking for this connection to find something without realising it was right there. And luckily I've been looking at this, like, at that point I actually realised I'm, I'm voiding, completely void myself of the spiritual connection where I've always been seeking. And, like, I'm joining, like, that connection of, like, why loneliness is one of the number one reasons of, like, depression and anxiety and it's leading to a lot of premature deaths in America is loneliness. That's because a lot of people, like me last night, was voiding of that human connection. And I was looking through my phone and immediately when I had that that um, understanding this morning at 6 o'clock, I was grateful for the, for the realisation that I've got. And I was thinking, my phone is it's meant to be connecting us it's completely the opposite and thankfully when I'm in the present moment now I tr- with with someone I try to steer with that person and I can really that's why right now my phone's on airplane mode and I can connect with you in such a way where I'm not distracted one bit and I did the same to deal with me when I was with my dad I took away my phone and I was just in that moment with my dad and it was a huge realisation like I, I knew a bit more about my dad just from the way like I looked at him I talked to him, like I found the, these human emotions and these human connections, all by that understanding of like that podcast I listened to this morning, where it talked about it's not just like a relationship with about your partner. It's about relationship with everyone, because everyone is you. You're in a relationship with everyone. You just mm. don't know know it yet. Yeah. And when I was in that relationship with my dad today, I seen like a new side to him. I seen a little bit, I started talking to him about his, like, his, like, his inner workings of his mind and, like, I became, I, I found that new connection whereas if I was just, like, instead in, of in a, his presence normally, instead I Instead of just being half-focused, like, within the thing that you're doing, you sort of, you your whole sense of what you wanted to get across was actually focused on that person yeah. instead of just being half-arsed, sort of saying. My human perception increased so much and I found, like, I created a new neurological connection with dad, which is, which I think strengthened our relationship. And I, and I did the same. Um, and I'll do the same with all of relationships that I'm in now. And like, if I'll normally like, I'll not search for the external like way of like, I'm bored. I'll actually be in that moment with that person because they deserve it and you deserve it. Here's something, right? Do you think as well that? This, this is myself as well. I'm asking you this because I would love to see your thoughts on this, but this is for myself as well. Do you think that the reason, one of the reasons that you said you were scrolling through your phone and you try, we are trying to, I do this, we're trying to, I'm at a stage now where I'm trying to strip away, but there's times where I'm trying, I'm still in a, I'm still in the process. Of, I think it'll always be in the process of stripping away certain things because you un- unveil new layers about yourself. Mm-hmm. But with that idea of the phone, I find that sometimes, like you said, you're scrolling through your phone and it seems like you're fill- sometimes you're just filling your time up with shit all the mm-hmm. time. Do you think that ultimately stems from us trying to find out who we truly are? Like, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Because I'm at a stage now where I, 
and this is this is big seeing this and people might relate to this but I'm in a period of my life now and this has been one of my big observing thoughts I actually want to touch on as well and this is maybe next next observing our thoughts go a bit deeper into it as well but um, I'm in a stage now where I don't know what I want to do with my life I really don't know what I want to do with my life and I'm and maybe that's one of the reasons that why a lot of people and myself included as well are filling ourselves with shit that we don't really need is because we're, we're spending too much time scrolling through our feed we're spending too much time on apps spending too much time not focusing our attention on the thing that we're doing right now like you said you had to filter out your phone so you could like turn off your phone so you could be present with your dad like when we're in the moments of with the people that we love we should just be in the moment of actually that's who we are in that essence instead we're looking for something external to because we're inside we're actually because this is what I feel sometimes and why I do that process is that I'm we're actually I'm actually longing for something else because I can't just be in the moment and be present mm-hmm. and it ties into it ties into well because the other night as well um what you've seen before about how you were scrolling through your phone and I had the same thing I actually had to go for a walk and just completely clean my head I had to completely clean my head because I was just feeling yeah I was just feeling completely overwhelmed with and my head was rattling saying like what do you want to do with your life and I keep asking myself that question all the time what do you want to do with your life and I'm and I'm it's weird because I go through these periods where and I, I, I and I'm not in a sense it's not it's not grinding on us to my mind where I can't handle it mm-hmm. but it's just to a sense where because I think the I think your mind and the universe whatever you want to call it provides you opportunities for mm-hmm. growth it provides you moments of growth where it, prov- it puts these questions in your head and it makes you it makes you analyze yourself and I'm just at a period now where where they, they, it's keep coming up in my head all the time and it's just ask it's constantly just it's it's there rattling my mind just seeing us all the time like what do you really want to do with your life what do you want to do and there's a story as well I had this, I had this story as well because it's a bit more relatable and um there was a it was an ancient culture mm-hmm. this is a good story this to relate to this what a point what I'm making and there's um there was a Roman uh, fort and there was a guy standing out uh, there was a, there was a sorry it was in the time of it was a time when the Roman legion was ruling the world mm-hmm. and there was an Indian guy and um he had a map and he was lost I think he was in the desert I'm probably butchered this but anyway he was, he was lost anyway somewhere and he had a map and he spun the map and he says wherever the map lands he will walk to so he spun the map and he points his finger and he has to walk in that direction. So he starts walking in that direction and the first thing that comes to his mind, he says, I hope I don't come across the Roman Legion. So anyway, he starts walking and what happens? He comes across the Roman Legion, he stands outside of a fort, like the castle wall. And there's a Roman man standing on the wall and he shouts to him, Who are you and what are you doing? And the guy, the Indian guy turns around and goes, he says, what? He says, who are you and what are you doing? He says, repeat that again, please. He says, who are you and what are you doing? And then the Indian guy goes, how much does your leader pay you? How much does he charge you? And the Indian guy, turn, uh, the Roman guy turns around and says, I get 200 rubies or something uh, per, per day. And the Indian guy turns around and says, I will double that if you come to my house and ask me that question every single morning when I wake up out of bed. Who are you and what are you doing? That's lovely, that like. And I love that because that's what exactly what the position I'm at in my life now I, I've, I need I've, it seems to be that there's this there's this little Roman guy in my head <laughs> asking every that. single day and every single night asking us the question of who are you and what are you doing and and I don't know I mean to a certain degree I know I'm in a sort of a crucial period in my life where where I'm going through a lot of stuff like I'm going through the sense of 
and I'm enjoying it. It's not like sense of like, oh, I'm going through all this shit here. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's just a sense of that I'm just I'm un- uncovering new layers of myself. I'm getting getting to the core of maybe who I truly am. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking myself, do do I really be want to be doing this certain thing for the rest of my life? Should I be doing this? What do I want to do in this area? Do I want to do this? Do I want to explore this? And it's just sort of I'm just in a period in my life now where I'm recalculating and reevaluating. Because we've talked about this before, me and you. Mm-hmm. We've t- you said about the analogy of the ship that you said a while ago, which is really fascinating. Yeah. But if you think about this, um, the like the sense of a pit of of you as a human being, your mind pivoting. So see if we um, see if I even if we having this sort of me having this understanding now that I'm at now and having this way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Even if I just even if this conversation that I'm having with my head, like who am I? What am I doing? Even if I just change my di- my direction by say like two by two centimeters or I ask myself a question that I wouldn't have asked if you had a ship and you changed the trajectory of a ship just say like sort of by I don't know whatever a mile even mm-hmm. not even a mile even just by 200 yards in 10 years time that ship would be in a, would be in a completely different part of the world mm-hmm. so that's that's why I think in life that and I've noticed this for the whole journey for me and you is that way even with the podcast and everything and I know people's listeners is going to be resonating that we're constantly pivoting all the time, but the, you don't actually realise in the moment how much them pivots can send you somewhere else in five years' time. You just we're just looking like sort of on a, on a mi- minuscule level, but you don't actually realise the long term, long term sort of circumstances of how much these pivots can change you and alter you in different directions of your life. Do you resonate with that? Yeah, that was a long winded point. No, hundred percent. I resonate with it. Uh, the whole idea of it um, as well. If if a plane leaves Los Angeles and it's on the trajectory to New York and it's actually 1% left or 1% right, it's going to be 150 miles out. And that's just by 1%. So imagine all these little choices, how much they're going to pivot you in any direction. And that's a beautiful point, which I actually, I love reading through that. Uh, I've, honestly, I've said this book in my mind like a thousand times, The Compound Effect, and I'm obsessed with this book. But it's not a long book, but I'm, I'm over halfway in and, it's really altered my thinking of how much each and every individual choice I've made has impacted my life so far, and it's and it's it, that's that gives you the realization that your past and present and future can all be interlined for good. That's how I've actually learned it, and I'm using like my past, present, future, like I have, like I said before, to betterment of myself, and I love that, Dan. I love I love how you're keeping that up as well. That's probably the, that's a nice place to wrap it up as well for this episode of Observing All Thoughts. I reckon that was fantastic. Peace and love, everyone. Boosh! Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the episode of Observing All Thoughts. And the reason that we really like these type of episodes is because we really feel that our journeys, thoughts and experiences are hopefully very relatable to your own and can provide some insight as well. And also... If you guys have any questions you would like to see us attack in any of these future Observing Our Thoughts episodes that we do, please feel free to send us an email and in future episodes we will try and plan on reading out a few of these questions and discussing them as well and giving you some feedback. And just before you go as well, if you do want to support the podcast and in the process get access to more bonus rants, all you need to do is sign up for any Patreon tier on the Ascend Patreon page which can be found at www.patreon.ascend it would be so cool if you could consider helping us take this to the next level and just supporting the podcast so anyway we love you all and as a little added bonus I'm going to play a song and this is actually one of mine and Chris's favourite songs and this was one of the first songs that actually inspired me and Chris to start looking at the world in a different way 
when we were in college and this song is by a group called Hardfire which are actually based in the UK as well and the song is called Cash Machine so enjoy and we'll catch you next week peace Cash machine to get a ticket home. A message on the screen says, Don't make pleasure, bro. No, no, this can't be right. I know the times is tight. I've only just been paid three weeks, five days till I've seen. Skip the fair Ticket inspectors there No, no, this can't be right I live an honest life It seems like sometimes You don't cross the line You don't get To play it safe That night we could not wait No, no, this can't be right She said it would be alright I can't afford to be a daddy So I leave tonight No